Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And we're back. Behind the steel curtain. Welcome. Maddie, you're putting me off, mate. How's it going? <laughs> Good, thank you. I just thought it would do. Dave Schofield has his nice little, you know, Kylo Ren mask, and I've got a few Star Wars ships that sit near my desk. So just thought I'd fl- float that past for the for all those on the visual side while we had a little break there. But I'm good. I like putting you off. You like to put me off, and that's just the the yeah, bands that we have on. You know, touch down under. That's that's what we do as a, as Australians anyway. Any, any workplace, any uh, any sporting place. I, I know when I play, I'm playing pickleball at the thing. I try and like there's some older fellas there about 50, 55, and it's just fun to. You know, uh, like they say, go easy on some some people. I'm like, nah, I'm gonna go as hard as I can. <laughs> like, <laughs> getting, you know, just this. It just, it just, yeah, the band is fun. Um, but you know what's even funner? Talking Steelers. Oh, that too. But like, <laughs> uh, you missed the segue. <laughs> it's slinging a slang, mate. Hey, but talking Steelers is fun. But what is your what's your slang this week? I've got mine, but I want to hear yours first. I don't know if we've said it already, and it's something so casually. Um, I feel like when I've been in America and I've said it, some people look at you like, whoa, what are you talking about? And then other people like kind of get it kind of naturally, like, you know, it's different. Um, but it's sunnies. So if we just go pick up a pair of sunglasses or whatever, and, you know, you often buy them in America for an Australian because the, the import tax is a lot more expensive over here. But, yeah, you're like on a pick up a pair of sunnies, um, sunglasses. Um, I know a lot of people call them shades, whatever, but yeah, for me, it's just sunnies. And I just picked them up yesterday and I thought, oh man, I don't think we've covered that one on touchdown under. Yeah. I was going to say, what do, what do, uh, the Americans call sunnies or sunglasses? Do they call them shades? Yeah, I think so. I think, there, I think they were doing a shade. I think they were doing a, um, a shade promo on good morning football and they were doing that. They'd have a segment where they'd all wear the shades. 
That's probably because they're all Irish. I got what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Might have had a bit too uh, Mary Jane in the morning. You never know. Uh, all right. Now, mine's a little bit, little bit different this week with uh, singing the slang. And uh, Maddie, Maddie should get this uh, straight up. But we have, we have a thing here in Australia when we go to the, we go to the game, uh, the NRL, the, the football. And when someone's, someone's scored a try and they're uh, kicking a field goal, and when you're on the stands, what do you normally try and say to that kicker, Maddie? Keep it PG, though, when uh, you're trying to put them off. Have any idea? Well, you can say lots of different <laughs> Boo. Yeah, but no, we can say boo. But I, I, I have this little memory from mine. So when I was a little kid, uh, watching the manly game up on the hill there, and a bloke was going for the for the the conversion, right, or the play skill, the extra point, you know. And I wanted to know what the what the the guys in America would would say for this. So we, he told me to yell out lolly legs. You ever heard that? I haven't. No, you never I heard haven't. that? No. You mustn't have been there on the day then. So when when, he, when I was a little kid, like 12 years old, this guy next to me and my parents were there and stuff, and he's like, hey, mate, like, you know, yell this out, like, lolly legs, and you just, like, it, it puts them off. And I actually read an article. There was an article uh, in 2019 from, from Newcastle. A guy got famous on TV for saying it and put off the, the West Tigers uh, kicker and actually worked. So I wanted, to, I wanted to know, do you reckon, you know, do people yell out to Boswell or to, to Justin Tucker to, to put him off? What would they say? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they would say lolly leaks. I don't know. I don't know if you remember, there was some controversy about three or five years ago when the Wallabies, the national rugby team, were playing in Argentina and they were going for a kick to win the game. So like field goal to win the game in, in you know, in the NFL. Um, we call field goal something different in rugby. And they lined them up and it was from like pretty much halfway. And a guy got a laser pointer and was like shining it in the kicker's oh. eye. And then he missed. There was a whole uproar about like laser pointers in the stands, oh, like shining it in his eye and stuff. That's a bit rough though. This is more vocal. Had, like a military grade laser pointer, mate. Like he's halfway down the field. The guy's at the back of the stand. It's like practically a hundred oh. meters, and he's shining a laser pointer in his eye. You can't do that. That's 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 not fair, is it at all? Nah, this is more just putting up play and getting in their psyche. But like, uh, I know fans can cheer. Can cheer a lot of things at, at players at certain times. So I just wanted to know, I wanted to try and find the American equivalent, but you know, here we are. Maybe we didn't. Do you want to talk some more Steelers or? Let's talk some more Steelers. <laughs> All right. And you, you said it in part one. And uh, in part one, talking about the draft, I want to know more about these teams. So, and you're the draft guy. I'm <laughs> just the guy. I, I'm just the guy. Yeah, a lot of pressure. I'm just the guy <laughs> asking the questions. So, who's the guy from the Browns? We'll start with them first. Who they drafted who can really challenge the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2021? Yeah, that's a that's a super question mark. Um, look, obviously they got JOK there in the I think they got him early the second round. Um, you know, so that's that's a that's a key piece from there. But I really think it's going to be Greg Newsom <clears throat> at the cornerback position. Um, he's a player that. You know, I know the Draft Dudes, um, which is a podcast um, offshoot of the Draft Network that a lot of people will have done mock drafts through if they were doing mock drafts. Um, they sort of had him placed there as their, that he rated above eight in every different criteria that they scored them against. So better than JC Horn, better than Patrick Saturn second. You know, they were out more outstanding in some areas, but he had the overall basis, the better average. And, you know, that would that translate um, across to the NFL? I really thought he would be a smoky for the Steelers to potentially get, you know, um, 
you know, around our pick as well, depending on if Najee had been taken and um, or Najee had been taken and there a few offensive tackles they liked to have gone off the board. When we look, go back there and we think about, a, you know, a Grant Delpit, a Denzel Ward, uh, Joe Johnson the third. What Greg Newsom's not under any pressure there to do anything massive this first year. So I think if they can scheme him right, I'm really interested to see what a sort of a problem he'll be. But it's hard to say until we work out what sort of role he's going to take up within their defense. Yeah, fair point. He puts puts pressure under Ben. And you also said that Jock might be a problem too in the middle linebacker. Yeah, I mean, how are you going to play him? Where are you going to play him? Is he big enough? What have you? Um I don't know. I'm kind of keen to see. I'm kind of keen to see how it's going to work, though. You know, um, uh, whether they line him up, like, because does he really have the weight behind him for them in them to line him up against like a Pat Freemuth? Like, you know, does he have that? Does he have that against a Chase Claypool? Like, he might match him for the speed, but I love like the jump and the you know the vertical on on Claypool. Equally, if you're running him, you know, through toward Ben. Can you imagine if like a, a Green or a Dotson, you know, can get past and sort of, you know, block and, you know, sort of throw that defensive lineman into his way? I I think it's going to be really interesting. And it's what I really like about Najee Harris is his blocking. And, you know, he'll obviously get better at that with the Steelers is that if he, if JOK is going to do some sort of pass rush through as well, I think Najee will be there to make a difference. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they, how they do it and, and how they use him. Um, but for me, I think Newsom will, will be a, a little bit better there. And then as well, they've got Tommy Togiai as well from Ohio State. Um, he was the 133rd ranked prospect out of DJ's top 150. They picked him at 132, so that's pretty much a like-for-like like pick there. Um, you know, and he'll do some stuff for them in the, at the defensive tackle position. So, Fair point. Let's move on to the Bengals. What uh, draft guy for the Bengals? You know, a number one stand. Oh, we have, we have Chase. So is he number one standard? He's going to challenge. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's the way you've got to see it there. But you know, as I talked about DJ Reader, they got a guy like Tyler Shelvin at pick one two seven. Um, sorry, not at pick one two seven. He was um he was the hundred twenty seventh best prospect. Um, in DJ's top one fifty. But you know, he'll do some stuff for them in the in the defensive tackle position. They picked him at one two two. Um, I don't think Cameron Sample. I thought. I don't know whether he's going to have that impact, but Joseph um, Osai as well off the edge, Texas Longhorn. I'm a Texas Longhorn fan. He could do pretty well for him as well. They're getting younger at that pass rush. So even if it's not in 2021 that those guys are a problem, they'll really be a problem, um, you know, in the, in the forthcoming seasons if they can develop. Fair point. And will, do you think that, you know, Joe Burrow will light it up with Chase and he, he's, is that going to be a fairy tale ending or are we going to crush that dream? Yeah. So I think it's going to depend on how guys like, you know, they traded back. I think there was the one of the, I heard a pundit talk recently and sort of suggest that they traded back and got Jackson Carmen in round two once Landon Dickerson went off the board because they wanted a center to shore that up. Um, and then they had, you know, they picked Trey Hill later, which is a guy that, you know, I really liked. Um, I know Bad was a bit of a fan of him. Shannon White, one of the writers on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, he loved him as well. So, you know, they're interesting guys like that. But again, how they're going to adjust to the NFL? And I think Carmen wouldn't be filling every Bengals fan with a lot of confidence, um, and he will take some time to develop. So that's going to be an issue for him. I think the Bengals just need to get one win, and they might have a bit of confidence. Um, now, as you said, 
What about Ryan O'Toole's comment here? What do you think about this? That those national guys are clueless. He's talking about he's talking about the media. What are you what are your thoughts on that? Well, the pundit the pundit that I was talking about was actually from the, the draft network. But if he's talking about Mel Kiper Jr., I completely agree with you. Like really, what do they know? And this is the thing as well. Like right now, so I you know, I did I did a little bit of homework, Mark. Um, people that have listened to any of my draft sort of roundtable stuff that was coming out, you know, within the first two weeks of the draft know that we had five um, five of our nine picks are in the top 150 for Daniel Jeremiah. Um, the Ravens had four by my count. The Browns had three. The Bengals actually had six. So the Bengals technically, you know, if you look at it, pulled in potentially the best draft if you look at listening to Daniel Jeremiah. Now, whether you consider that guy a national, a national guy that doesn't know things, but that's what Daniel Jeremiah's feedback is. When you look at um, even the draft network didn't really rate the Steelers draft that high. You look at what Mel Kiper Jr. gave our draft as well. You know, people just go for the name that was there in college or the proven production. But how are you going to fit the piece within your team? Like we talked about Mike yeah. Hilton. Mike Hilton's a great slot cornerback. But that was for the Pittsburgh Steelers who know how to use him, not for the Cleveland, uh, not for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think when you look at it, and, and as we saw last year, the Steelers didn't have a first-round draft pick. They put Claypool at, like, you know, in, in the – it wasn't in the 50s or something. And then they, they went out and picked Dotson in the fourth round. Those three guys made it into a redraft in the first round. You don't – we do not know what is going to be of this draft class for at least two seasons. It's something that we've said across behind the steel curtain, you know, over the last eight to, eight to ten weeks. But if you look at it for the Steelers, as I said at the time, we got the running back. We upgraded our tight end room for the next five years. We got a guy that will be developing into a center. I firmly believe that. You got Roche in the six, a bunch of undrafted free agents as well. Dan Moore could really be something um, if we give him time to develop. So I, I agree with that comment from Ryan O'Toole. The, the national guys, I don't wouldn't necessarily say clueless, but they're looking to say headline things. They're looking to talk about all the teams that are popular. You know, it's yeah. not popular to say the Steelers are going to do well because well, we do do well every year. And, and their opinion changes every day because if you watch the NFL live and those guys, they're on all the time, 24-7. Uh, Mel, Mel and those guys who do the draft to about 10, 10 to 12 mocks from January. So they, they pretty much have to cover 32 teams and they cover everyone for every single possibility. And that's why their, their opinion is so varied and then can also be wrong. If you only have a select opinion, like you, we, we and I have like one show and we're not big media guys. We're just two guys from Australia. Um, hanging out, but we have we have an opinion, but we we formulate on 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 various shows and actually um, through BTSC and, and other Steelers shows. But I, I don't really watch NFL Live anymore. I can't I can't watch the ESPN. But you also got to think about what people are feeding things. You know, in my professional work, I'm working a media and comms role, right? And you know, there's certain things that you will never disclose because you don't want your competitors to know. There's certain things you can't disclose if you're like listed on a stock exchange. There's certain things that you won't disclose because it's not necessarily going to be understood and received well all the time, depending on who you're who you're engaging with, or even if it's just the audience that's going to be, you know, whether they're going to read an article that's published or, you know, watch a, a news clip or listen to a radio broadcast or what have you. Like you take um, DaCosta, the, you know, from the Ravens, a week before the draft, he said that they were they thought the wide receiver room hadn't been well respected. Then they drafted two two wide receivers in Rashad Bateman with their first pick, and then they got Tylen Wallace later on after they picked up Sammy Watkins, as I talked about, which is why I didn't understand, you know, that being the case. So, you know, for the rest of the NFL, they're sitting there going, "Oh, 
you know, the Ravens aren't going to be picking a wide receiver or they're less likely to pick it with a top, you know, top picks. They they picked them both in the first round and then I think it was the fourth round and it was early in the fourth, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, you got to think, those national guys hear things day in, day out and for a lot of them, they're hearing headlines and sound bites. They're not actually hearing what's the strategy or they're not looking to ask what's the strategy. And you can tell because you find that content boring, you know? Like, yeah, I, I do know, actually. I, I do find the NFL live and those things kind of boring. Whatever is not boring, Matty, we have we don't have a super chat, but I want to bring it up. Anyway, we still have to do the Ravens draft, but I want to bring up awesome stuff because this is a great question from awesome stuff. Uh, what were your first impressions of Pittsburgh, Matty? You go first and then I'll tell my, my go. Yeah, so I think when you're uh, international and you're sort of going, I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to Pittsburgh, and people are like, are you going for a sports Where? game? Yeah. <laughs> All my American friends, I've got quite a few American friends, they told me, you are going to be cold. They said, you have no idea how cold it is there. And I'm like, oh, I've been skiing and stuff like that several times. Like, I'll be fine. Mate, we went skiing in Tahoe the week after we were in, you know, Pittsburgh. It was colder in Pittsburgh than it was at Tahoe. I had my ski jacket on over my jumper and my shirt and whatever. That wind with those, those three rivers is, I, I like to describe it as bone rattling. Like it kind of goes through the layers and your bones mm-hmm. feel cold. Um, but what I loved about Pittsburgh is that everyone was so friendly. I, I don't know. I just experienced everyone was so friendly. It had this charm to it that I didn't necessarily expect. And I've spent time on the East and the West Coast, you know, across four or five American trips. And I was just sort of, I just was like, how can I go back? Like even we're big animal people. I think we talked about it before. We went to Pittsburgh Zoo when they were like, I, rec- I kid you not, like in winter, snow around the, all the animal enclosures and what have you. And it m- must have been 12 visitors there, right? But when we had the best time, like it was yeah. freezing, but we had the best time. Um, we had the best time anytime we went to eat anywhere. We had the best time tailgating we were trying to meet up with brian and um you know or bad and um and and dave and we didn't get to align our times there but we were walking around talking to different people through the tailgate watching the steel line play you know and i know that's a lot of steel related stuff but i mean we went in for a couple of days around you know around a game there and yeah we just had the we just had an awesome time we're just like we can't wait to come back we want to experience it more in the summer um to start the season out so hopefully that's something we can do you know, in a few years' time when things get a bit easier, but, you know, in terms of COVID and the rest of it. But, yeah, we just – we really loved it. Then there was a real heart to the city that I don't think people often talk about. Yeah, 100%. I agree. That coming coming from an international fan, it, you know, it took me uh, 15, 16 years to get there. I caught my home. I've been there three times. Uh, when I first went there, I, I flew in from New York City. Uh, I landed in Pittsburgh and I got there about 9.30 p.m. I got onto a shuttle bus. I can't remember what the company was called, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, I got in the car. I was the only one in the car. Uh, driving in there, the guy was awesome. He gave me a little tour. Not a tour, but he was talking about the city. And as we come into Pitt Tunnel, I believe, when you come out of that tunnel, on the left-hand side, you see Heinz Field. You see the big city. So the first, the first night was, you know, didn't see too much. But in the morning, it was cold during December. I went for – the idea was for um, Super Bowl Forty Nine. Uh, I wanted to be there in the city. If the, if the Steelers were in the playoffs, but I believe they got they got cut. Uh, I can't remember who beat them, but they, they weren't in there. It was it was Seahawks versus uh, uh, Denver? No, or Seahawks versus Patriots. Sorry, um, should have anyway. run that ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And I actually I had a, a Seahawks fan next to me, and she was re- she was so sad. <laughs> uh, anyway, so 
I went to Jerome Bettis Bar and Grill, you know, as, as an Australian fan, coming from so far away, and even a lot of guys in our live chat in America, you might be living in Miami or like real West Coast, like LA, and never been there. And I tell you, once you get there, it is an unbelievable city. Because I do love how it's it's uh, so local too. You've got the, the, the point, and you've got the, the stadium, and you've got the uh, PNC Park, but then you have the big city as well. And you can go around south side and north side. There's so many places you can go. It's easy to get around to travel. Um, people are friendly on, on the but game day. Beautiful, awesome. But even that beautiful, like, ice rink that they build in the heart of the oh, actual yeah, city. Yeah. Like, and there was a little street stall, to, a set of street stalls to the side of it. And we just walked through there and it felt like, you know, and particularly when you're in Aussie, Mark, you know what this feels like. You know, our Christmases are so different. We've talked about this, you know, during, you know, the Christmas, different Christmas elements of the shows that we did and podcasts that we did a few months ago. But, like, you know, you just feel like this, it's like this classic Christmas. It's what you sort of watch on TV as a kid in all the American movies and all that sort of thing. And so there was something really nice about Christmas and football and it's all that whole family football thing. So, yeah. It's, well, it's awesome. I was there Christmas Day game. It That's was it. unbelievable. So I got there at uh, 4 p.m., I believe it was, or 3 p.m. I had no idea where I was going. Went around the corner, went to my seat, and I'm like, holy dooly, I'm here for Steelers versus Ravens. Uh, and it was, and I stayed back half half an hour to just to, to soak it all in. And that's it's, it's it's almost like seeing the Coliseum or something like that, something in history, because it is hard for an international fan to get there, even harder now. Um, and there will be a time that you and I will go to a game uh, when probably when we're older, and it's it's going to be awesome. Well, and like even the anecdote of you know my my in laws, you know, I always wear all this Steelers Steelers t shirt and Steelers jacket and Steelers jumper and all the rest of it. So for several years, they just had me, and we lived with them for a while as well. Always watching me wear Steelers stuff. And then we got the game, and we got there a bit earlier, and we got to our seats and all the rest of it. And so we called my my mother in law, um, you know, from our stand because she said, "Oh, make sure you send me lots of photos. I want to see." You know, you know, Matt enjoying the game and whatever. So we FaceTimed her, right? You know, while she was at work, you know, Monday lunchtime while you were at this at this game. So you're crossing different time zones as we do every week on the show and what have you. You know, we're sort of showing it around. You know, and we have, I mean, there are NRL games as well that, you know, do have more eat even more fans than, you know, fifty thousand in, in those stadiums. So there's not like we don't have those big live sporting things. But even I think she was able to appreciate the glitz and the, the the glamour and the the light, you know, the football under lights of what we were showing her through that FaceTime video. So it's a it's just an awesome experience. And there's nothing. I mean, we've got it, and it's embarrassing of how like energetic I am waving the terrible towel. But there's a video of me waving that terrible towel during Renegade for the first oh, time. There's I, it's, it's I mean, I got chills down my spine talking about yeah. it right now. The goosebump, the hairs in the back of my neck standing up like. It, well, we, we saw it. We, I saw a renegade twice. So apparently it doesn't happen very often. So the Christmas Day game, we had two yeah. renegades. Uh, and my, still my favorite memory, it wasn't AB. It was Lawrence Timmons up the guts, smashing Joe Flacco for the sack. Nothing better than a Steelers game. And that's what we all hope for as Steelers fans. Uh, we've actually rattled on a bit. So Sorry, Aaron, we missed the, the Ravens draft pick. We, we, we can't get into that anymore, mate. No more time. You really should have put out that 53 um, uh, <laughs> a live chat for the, for the people there. But look, it's it's great. That was a great question talking about the experience. Um, there's one more thing I want to go into before we end the show. Yep. Yep. Is what what player from the AFC North would you like to be a Steeler? Can be can be any team. Draft pick from this season or um, current player uh, on a overall, roster. Overall, and any any player that you wish was a Steeler who would be a great Steeler, and it shouldn't be Ravens, Browns, Bengals. 
Oh, that's a that's that's a massive question. There's a lot of players. <laughs> There's a lot of players. Oh, wow. You want me to you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Yeah. For for me, look, it's it's an easy one. I just I still wish that Mike Hilton was a stealer. And I, I know that uh, he had to go and get more money. We, we couldn't afford him. But I still think the way that he played for the Steelers and off the edge, and even this year with that defense, he would have been a, would have been a great um, player to really – like I think he's, he can be a game changer. He's got bad coverage skills in some, in some aspects, but he got, he's good tackling. He's got a good heart. I think he's going to do okay for the Bengals, but would have loved to see him still play for the Steelers in this defense now knowing that we've, we've lost Nelson. What do you reckon? Who you got now? Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley, right. Yeah, left you, tackle. You re- is he, is he uh, Ravens? Yeah. Is he the, the big fella? Is, is, he, yeah. He's like, is he rated like number one? Uh, yeah. He's, he's up there, isn't he? Yeah, that's that's who my pick. I was just going to look at one of the guards, okay. um, Treader, I think it is, that's with the Browns as well. But we, we've got good – like if you, if you picked Ronnie Stanley up and, you know, like Dave and, you know, Jeff and KT Smith might tell me it's silly from a scheme perspective, but – I don't know. I, I just feel if you could pick him up and you put him next to Kevin Dotson there, you've got Joe Green. I just, I'd really trust Stanley. And you watch the Ravens play impact when he went down last year with that injury. That was, that was a massive impact. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'd be picking him. Stop the show, Maddie. Stop the show. We've got another one. We've got another one of awesome stuff. I have to answer this before we end the show. Uh, awesome says, what were your first thoughts on seeing American football in person versus TV? Versus TV. What a great question. Well, I'd watched a college game. I think I've said before, I watched Hawaii play Cal um, in Australia a few years back. Um, I mean, the NFL is a different game when you watch it. I know like Dave, for instance, like sitting, you know, behind the field, whereas I was sitting on like the, where were we? We were on about the 30 yard line quite, quite, quite deep down. We paid a significant amount of money for our seats because, you know, it's not a cheap thing to get over there. Um, so you got to make it worth it. But I think, and I was almost going to say it before, so we went to the Bills game week 15, 2019, and I remember turning to my fiance Jess at the time and saying, I think Stephen Nelson's going to get an interception here. Like, I'm watching the way he's lining up, and then what do you know? Like, he jumped, like, literally the next play, he lined him up, and he got that interception. Um, again, things like it was obvious to me, in my view, that, Duck Hodges shouldn't have been playing that game. Like you could just tell he was doing nothing back there. They should have put in Mason Rudolph. And then the next week he got, you know, mm. he got benched and, and Rudolph went in for the Jets game. So there's just stuff like that. Um, you don't appreciate how big some of the guys are as well. Um, so yeah, I think those impressions, but I always say that if you were not a fan of a particular team, and I've been to all the American major sports, hockey is the best live experience. But if you have an NFL team and they are your team and you're a luck, and you know, particularly if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, that experience, it, I don't know. It's, and I, you know, it's better to ask guys like Dave that go all the time, but I can't imagine it ever gets old. You know, there's something magic that happens in every game. Um, yeah. And so, you know, seeing that live would be awesome. I'd love to go to an afternoon game. They look really fun. And then you can go out after and have a couple of drinks and feel, you know, talk about it and feel that fan experience. Um, I, I went I went to a 4 p.m. game. I went out after on Christmas night, but that was... Uh, that was I want to go to a 1 p.m. though. I want to go to a 1 p.m., you know. Get uh, on, the, on the day drinks, have a few yeah. beverages. Yeah. yeah, have a few yeah. bevies. But look, look, for me, look, for us in Australia, we, we our 1 p.m. game, or your 1 p.m. games are our 3 a.m. games. 
So it, it is a huge difference being in the in the stadium. Um, I still remember when I first went to Pittsburgh, I I saw an NFL game for the first time at night time, and that was I think believe was when the playoffs uh, were, were around or might have been the Super Bowl. That's that to me is different as well. So so me and Mandy can't go to each other's houses. It would be quite weird going there at three a.m. and say I'll oh, shut the game on. Uh, we can't go to bars. We can't go to um, yeah friends' houses. We so when I first experienced. Um, actually watching the game on tv in america that was cool because you're, you're actually around people and you, you can watch the game and, and socialize and it's at night time where we watch your night time games this time so we get i think it's uh 3 a.m 6 a.m and then i think 9 a.m or 10 a.m for our games so and then if maddie watches them before work or i watch them before work or uh, on our lunch breaks, um, I'm going to try and organise some things this this year in Sydney because we might get those those highlighted games. We can get at 12 p.m. Um, so it, it's a massive it's a massive difference. But like for us travelling from overseas, nothing better than being there. And you just you just save every hit. And I've watched I believe I've watched that Christmas uh, Day game a few times just to to know I was I've been there. And even though with the the AB that was a oh, tremendous catch. Um, the the catch that that Eli Rogers caught from Big Ben in that Christmas Day game, like I that, was that, that was unbelievable. He he stretched out and um and had a go. And and you thought when the Ravens ran that fullback dive and they got up, I was like, oh no. So the funny thing too, when I, when I was in the stadium, you feel like, oh, it's so exciting to be there, but you still want to win. If you you still feel a bit gut hurt if you're down by ten points, you, you can't be all um you know all, all excited about. Um, just being there in the moment, but if your team's down, it still still kind of hurts. Yeah, um, yeah. Maddie, we've almost gone an hour, and we've gone really far off. I think awesome stuff's taken over the show <laughs> with our experiences. Um, I've got one one last question for you, then we'll start to wrap it up. Let me just get rid of this for one second. What are your thoughts? This is a kind of a side question. Yeah, and this is not, and this wasn't on the on the playbook. Uh so it's, it's on my playbook. <laughs> just, uh, what do you think? Well, sorry. Why do you think Baker Mayfield will stink? Why do you think he'll stink? Because <laughs> I think it's more more of an opinionated question. But they're gonna have a bunch of in, they're gonna have injuries to guys. I, you know, I I struggle to believe that Beckham Jr. will play every game. I think the seventeenth game will be a problem for him. I think Stefanski will have a massive challenge in this in his second year getting these guys up for it. I think there was a bit of hype last year and he came in and did a bunch of things. The thing that for me about Baker is, I don't know, I've seen this where he'll win a few games and then he'll go into a game and play terrible, like that that, that pick that Minka, you know, got. The thing about Baker, though, is you don't want him to get confidence within a game because within a game, he can turn it very quickly. We saw that week 17 last year for the Steelers. So I think injuries will cost him. I think... Chubb, they'll focus heavily on Chump and Kareem Hunt if they can get ahead, particularly if their defense can make life difficult and stifle other teams. And I think he needs to get into a rhythm. And I think when he's not in a rhythm, that's going to be a problem. I also think that the other teams, particularly the Ravens and the Steelers, are going to have, will have you know another season of tape to figure him out. We're always, both teams are always going to put up good pass rush. I think the Bengals are going to, you know, they've tooled up with some young guys who will want to go after it as well. Yeah, I, I just think that that's sort of the reasons why, you know. And Baker will have all the pressure on him this year. He got him to the playoffs. They won so the wild card pressure. game. So much. It's just dialing up that bit more, you know. So good luck, mate, trying to get it again. 
if he throws, uh, if he's one and two, or throws a few interceptions, there'd be so much pressure on that guy. Even when he's winning, if he's three and zero at the start, there'd be a lot of pressure on that guy. So it's going to be very interesting. Our last question to end the show: We have Snowman, uh, Maddie. I'll let you answer this. Do you think all the draft picks will be signed by minicamp, or will they sign before training camp, or will there be holdouts? Well, we've had rookie minicamp now, so I don't know if we're talking about like the other OTAs and, and all the rest of it. This, you're kind of silly to do holdouts now. Like the way that the last collective bargaining agreement, you know, was fleshed out, you've obviously got the different, you can go through it and you can basically work out all the salaries they can get. It's the, what you get ranges where you can have, you know, bonuses and um, versus your, your actual salary number. So I think from that perspective, if people are holding out, there's got to be something in that contract they don't agree with. But these contracts are pretty like for like across the NFL. It's a different ball game now. And I think the difference in this too is COVID-19. You cannot afford to miss things in COVID-19. You saw what last year no preseason did for a lot of rookies out there. It made it very hard for a number of different players to get into the season. So, you know, you could let's say that you know the Hall of Fame game happens and Week One happens, but then whoever the Steelers have got in that Week Two, I think it was at Detroit Lions or whoever it is in the um in the preseason, suddenly that gets cancelled. You've lost a game. So if you were sitting there not being signed, you know, and you waited till that week to be signed or whatever week you're going to sign, you might miss opportunities here. The Steelers are a top team as well. Like if if we weren't a top team and the, the the rules were different around the money and what have you, I could see, you know, maybe someone holds out. But the Steelers aren't a muck around franchise. Like you want to hold out, you know, if, you, if you're not like a first round draft pick or a second round, you're probably going to get, you know, find it very life very hard for yourself and you might not be on that roster. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to really experience too much of that anymore. Yeah. I, I reckon for me, as long as they just uh... – Whoever signs, whoever's playing for the Steelers, I always, I always uh, say it. As long as it's competitive, same with like the new punter. You need some competition in that locker room, and that's going to generate wins. Uh, Maddie, what are your final thoughts on today's show, or just the Steelers, and then we'll wrap it up? Yeah, I think for Steelers fans out there, it's a really interesting time. There's not huge amounts of news out there, you know, and um, and so it's time to sort of take stock of what we're doing. Look. It's, it kind of feels weird now. The media is sort of saying, oh, if the Steelers can get it right, you know, it was the Steelers had a terrible draft and the Steelers lost a bunch of players and now it's if they can get it right and you're starting to see the narrative shift. Let's just enjoy, I think we said this last year as well, let's just enjoy the process, right? Let's enjoy getting to learn, getting to understand, getting to know these different guys. Let's be respectful of our opponents, Um you know, and that includes the Bengals and the Browns. I think the Browns are not going to be able to repeat what they did last year. We just talked about that. Um, I think the Bengals, what there's interest in watching them this year, I think, to a degree, to see what they could become in the years ahead. I'm interested to see what that happened, what that's going to be like. I hate the Browns the most. The Ravens are that, you know, cousin that, you know, you always want to beat when the family catch up for a barbecue and it's cricket or it's soccer that, or it's that annoying or... cousin that keeps saying that they win a lot, but yet their their stats don't prove to what they say. Isn't that right, Matty? hundred percent. Or they, you know, they make it sound like they're the ones that have the good <laughs> stats and they don't really. Um so there's that perspective there. Yeah, I just think just be excited, guys, because you know, as we've as we've said throughout this show and it's been said before, rookies don't prove themselves in the first year great if they can 
So let's get to learn, understand, let's get to learn them. I'm looking forward to seeing Matt Canada offense. I'm looking forward to seeing Pat Freyamuth and, you know, Najee Harris do a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing Juju used right. He said that this week, you know, you know, the last two weeks. So that's, that's awesome. And that's going to be really fun. And yeah. hundred percent. All right. Let's, let's thanks everyone for coming to uh, behind the stool curtain and the uh, Steelers touch dead under. How's that? <laughs> That's, yeah, that's, I, don't even, I don't even say that in real life like that. So that's. Oh, I don't even really say it in real life. Do I talk touch. like down under? Do I talk like this all the time? No. Sounds like you're from uh, Perth and you're a mayor out west. Uh, all right, guys, we're going to wrap up the show. Thanks for coming to Steelers Touch Down Under. Great show talking to AFC North uh, football. Check us out on, on, on all the podcasts. Check out our, our website, everything like that. Great show. Awesome show. Me and Matt are going to go have lunch now. Um, cheers. Thanks. See you later. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.